Year of the What is a romantic comedy by Jennifer Lieberman. It's an Amazon number one bestseller. It was awarded the 2022 Global Book Awards Golden Medal for Coming of Age Books, the Ippy Bronze Medal for Romance and Erotica eBooks, the Scribblesworth Book Reviews Best Rom Com of 2021, as well as the Literary Titan Silver Book Award. Today we go behind the scenes with Jennifer and her book, The Year of the What. Don't go away. We'll be right back with the Writer's Corner live show. Welcome back. You are watching the Writer's Corner live show. If you just joined us, I'm your host, Bridgette Lembanda from Cape Town in South Africa. And today we're going to be talking to Jennifer Lieberman. If this is your first time watching the Writer's Corner live show, the show is brought to you by Creative Edge and StreamYard as well as BeLive Media. So a special warm welcome, whether you are watching us over on Amazon Live, if you're watching us over on LinkedIn, on Twitter, um, also on YouTube, a very warm welcome to you. If you'd like to give us a, a question or two or a comment for our amazing author today, please do let us know. We welcome your comments and questions. And even if you have suggestions for future authors on the show, please do let us know. We'd love to hear from you. One of the things that we're very passionate about on the show is helping people level up when they go live. Now, one of the things that the pandemic has done for us is it has introduced us to the different ways of using technology and I think embracing technology maybe in, in ways we wouldn't have done before. And so in the book world in particular, um, Authors are going to be using, I think, a hybrid method going forward. Um, you know, in-person events are fantastic. They've been around for donkey's years. People love book signings, meeting the readers. But the big thing about going hybrid and promoting and talking about your book online is that you are making yourself and your book available to a worldwide audience. As I said, it's business without borders, business without doors. Um, you can now reach a brand new audience globally. So here's just a few tips to help you be more successful online. Now, I know if you're going live to platforms like TikTok, for example, or Instagram, you're going to be using your phone uh, in portrait mode, which is 100% correct because it uses the entire screen when you are live on TikTok and on Instagram. But however, if you're going live on any of the other platforms like uh, YouTube, for example, or LinkedIn or Facebook, Turn your phone in landscape mode 
If you ever wondered what those black lines are on the side when you go live on YouTube or Facebook, it's because you are not using the entire screen real estate. Here's another quick tip for you. If you want to be, if you want, if you really want to connect with your audience while you're talking about your book and be animated, hold your book so you can page it, talk comfortably, get a tripod, any kind of tripod. You know, I've got a bunch of them, the DJI Osmo, you know, there's just anything. And if all else fails, if you don't have a tripod or if you're in a hotel room somewhere or at a conference and you quickly want to just talk about your book, Take, have some sticky tape, tape it on the window because you want to have lighting come from the front, not from behind. Um, that's a real quick fix uh, and you'll look great. So those are a few tips. And if, of course, you are going live using your, um, your, uh, your laptop, you can invest in a great webcam. Mary and I both use the Logitech Brio. I love the Logitech range. And also have a pair of earphones handy so you don't get any background noise so those are just a few quick tips and and tricks that you can use to become successful um, online when you are promoting your books so before we bring our amazing guest jennifer lieberman to join us my friend co-host is mary elizabeth jackson she's a special needs and disabilities advocate uh, she's a ghostwriter and she's also an award-winning children's book author mary Welcome. How are you today? I am doing fantastic. How are you? <clears throat> Let me clear I'm my great. throat. I'm, I'm doing well. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you need I'm, a glass of water or something going on. I, I have it right here. Yes, I'm going to drink it here in just a second. I'm so excited to be here today. And uh, we have one of our <clears throat> favorite authors on with us today. And you know, we are so blessed for over four years of doing this. And I, I'm just every week never ceases to amaze either one of us, the brilliant stories, the lives and how everyone got to where they are and that we get to share them with the world. So what an honor it is and a privilege to do this every week. Oh, absolutely. It's hard to believe that it's been um, four years already. <laughs> I know. So for those of you, I know. So We've had a number of people over the four years that has come uh, on the show more, appeared on the show more than once. And uh, Jennifer Lieberman is a great friend of the Writer's Corner live show. And we are so happy to have her back. Um, she's a multi-award winning author, an actor and a pr producer with a bachelor in arts and philosophy. So she knows she knows what she's talking about. Um, <laughs> she's appeared in over 30 stage productions around the world, including her award-winning solo show, Year of the Slut, which is adapted from her book, Year of the What. Um, Jennifer also wrote a number of screen and stage plays, including the wacky web series, Dumpwater Divas, and the short films, Leash and Details, which have screened on international film festivals. So let's not waste any time. Um, let's invite her to come and join us and uh, and share some of the things that she knows about the writing world and tell us more about her amazing award-winning book, shall we?
Jennifer, welcome. <laughs> Hi, Bridgetti. Hi, ladies. It's so nice to be back. It's always it's always great to see you. You you look well. You look exceptionally well today. So thank you for joining us. And yes. again, you know, just congratulations on your awards for the year of the what. They seem to be keep coming in. And I want to ask you, you know, success looks very, very different for each of us. Um, so the fact that you've received and you're still getting so many awards, do you feel like you've kind of um arrived and you can just sit back and not work so hard anymore what does it feel like for you um no actually I feel like I need to keep going while I have momentum um it, it feels amazing I, I need to pinch myself almost every day and um when I do when I watch interviews like because I'll be going back and watching this one. I do watch the interviews and read the articles um, that come out. And every time I'm like, what? <laughs> they make me sound so good, but I'm just like the normal, like regular Joe from Maple Canada. Like, you know, so it hasn't really resonated yet or it's, I'm not really affected by it. You know, I just feel like the same the same girl, the same person that I was, you know, a year ago, um, before I hit number one on Amazon, before I won the awards. I, I think because I've been working on this project for so long, um, and I've given up on it so many times, that it all just feels surreal. It doesn't even, it doesn't feel real yet to me. I, you know, well, but that's congratulations. what yeah. And that's what makes it great, Jennifer, because then you can't, you get to keep your integrity instead of your, your head getting so big that then it's like, Oh, huh. you know, because everyone loves that integrity and in someone who is um, that that's more transparent, you know, um, for people out there who maybe don't know you, can you tell us a little bit how you got started as an actor sure. and how did that segue into becoming an award-winning author? Cause not, not all actors become writers and not all writers become actors. Yes. So I guess it, it started way, way back when I was a little kid. Um, I started writing like fan fiction scripts for shows that I wanted to be on. Like I was eight years old and I started writing. They're called spec scripts in the industry when you write like television episodes for uh, shows that already exist. So I, I was eight years old and I was totally in love with Zach Morris from Saved by the Bell. And I wanted to be his girlfriend. So I started writing, I would like imagine these scenes in my head of being like the new kid at the, on the show. Um, and that's, that's kind of how it started. So even way back in the day, I always imagined like the only reason I wrote as a child is because I was writing myself into things that I wanted to be in um, as a performer. So th that was always, they kind of worked together. And I, I started writing scripts in junior high. And by the time I finished university, I had like my first feature film that was like an adult, you know, caliber, not like a child wrote it. Um, and then, but I was pursuing acting um, all the while. I, I started pursuing acting in university and 
started studying, taking classes, ended up moving to New York, and I got in with a theater company, and I was producing original plays for other people, and my own writing kind of fell to the wayside. Um, I had, at that point, I had written a few scripts, like even in New York, I, I wrote two or three more scripts, um, but they weren't feasible to get made. I, I was I was young, I was like early 20s, and I just didn't have the connections or the access to like the millions of dollars or even hundreds of thousands of dollars an indie film would take. So um, I, I just kind of worked my way up the ranks in a theater company. Uh, fast forward a, a few years, I was running the company, I was producing independent films, I had the confidence to move to LA. And when I got to LA, I, it was like crickets, you know, it, it was hard to get a foot in the door. And um, especially when you have no credits and you're in a town where nobody knows you. So someone suggested, write yourself a vehicle, write yourself a show to showcase your talent. Like in the movie La La Land, that, like what Emma Stone did. Um, I did mine before La La Land ever came out, but it's not an uncommon thing for actors to do, whether you're in New York or LA or whatever city you're in, to create a vehicle for yourself. And that's what I did. I, I um, nobody from the industry really came like I didn't have the outcome that I was hoping for but I realized like I was super fulfilled as a creative I got to stretch myself and push myself as a performer and um, fast forward I the show went to New York I won the audience choice award and the festival I was in and some people encouraged me to adapt it into a novel that was another several year journey of giving up and going back to it and giving up and going back to it and making a short film making a web series going back to it and here we are today wow that is amazing That's there's very few people I think that um that become that creative in their journey, as Mary said, yeah, you know, you've just done so much, you've accomplished so much, you've overextended yourself, and it's clearly paying off. You know, you've you've clearly done something right. Thank you. Well, you know what? If I landed a TV show or, you know, I was getting cast in some movie roles and stuff, I probably I never would have had the need to push myself to create. Um, but when you're not getting picked, you either give up or you pick yourself. You know, I, I, I've been saying lately, this has been like my new phrase lately, if you can't get a foot in the door, build your own house. Mm. So I, I just started building my own house because nobody would let me in theirs. That needs to be a t-shirt. I, I, really I, I saw yeah. somebody posted on Instagram, I think, um, you know, she says, if you're looking for a role model in your life, and there's no one else, step up to the plate and be that role model for yourself. So it's very much along the lines of what you just um, said there. Yeah. So you've adapted um, Year of the What into Year of the Slut. Was that always your intention to go that direction? And tell us no. a little bit about how that, how that worked. You know, was it easy? Was it difficult? Did you want to give up halfway? Oh, yeah. So even the show... Um, so the show was first, Year of the Slut was the one woman show. I played 10 different characters. I basically tailor wrote a piece 
that could showcase my writing, that I could be funny, but I could also be touching, dramatic. You know, the, the show has all the feels. It makes you laugh. It makes you cry. It makes you aroused. <laughs> I had all those things in the show. And I got to play 10 different characters that showed my range as an actor. I played different ages, different accents, different affects. Um, because when you're starting out as an actor and you don't have many credits, you just get cast as how people see you and how people see you doesn't necessarily honor what you're actually made of and what, what your true abilities are. So, so it started off as the show. And prior to that, I, I joke that I was just kind of like a victim of the roles that I got cast in. And they were mostly small roles, indie roles. A lot of them never even got finished or saw the light of day. That's not uncommon in the indie film world that you'll shoot something and then it'll just never, never get finished. Like, I actually think more projects never get finished than actually um, come to fruition. So... I, I, I did the show and even though the people that I wanted to come didn't come, I realized for the first time in my life, I was so fulfilled. I was like, this is what I was born to do. I was born to perform because also as a, as a freelance creative, you spend a lot of your time, like 80% of your time trying to find the job as opposed to being the creative and living in that, um, you know, in that flow state where you get to like create and do what you do. So that's, that's how it started. Like I never intended it to be a novel. I never intended to write a book because a book, I can't act in a book. <laughs> and at that point I had only been writing things that I could perform aside from my poetry. Like I, I, I've been writing poetry since I was a child. And of course, you don't perform poems, but I have performed them at some poetry readings or slam contests and things like that. So that's how it started. And then I decided like there was something there. So I kept going with it. I workshopped it. When it had some success in New York, that's when people were saying to me, like, the title is awesome. Like the title alone, Year of the Slut, that's going to fly off the shelf for women a lot of women just relate to it. They just get it off the bat because um, we, most women are uneasy as, as young women, we're uneasy with our sexuality. We're uneasy with our sexual desires. It's like, you know, our biology is telling us one thing, society is telling us another thing. Um, so there's that like constant, um, battle, I guess, between like nature versus nurture when it comes to female sexuality. So, so I did, I wrote the book and I, like I said, I gave up on it several times over several years. I'd get jazzed, I'd submit it, crickets, wouldn't hear back from publishers, agents, I'd do a rewrite, I'd hire an editor. One editor was just the wrong fit. Like she shut me down for two years. I couldn't look at the manuscript. Her notes were so harsh. And she was just the wrong fit. Like she should have just declined. Um, you know, she should have just declined the project and I should have vetted her better. But I, I, I was unaware of how to do that at the time. 
Right. Well, and that's really hard. Um, it, thank you for sharing that with us. And, you know, that's that was one of our next questions was asking you about those hurdles and things. So how do you feel like because you did answer that because, I mean, there was a huge rejection that you had. How were you able to bring yourself back? So for those out there who may be um, going through the same thing, like being rejected on any level as an author or an actor or writer, what do you think is one of the best tips of advice you could give them for resiliency and coming back and obviously not giving up on themselves or their project? Surround yourself with supportive people because it was my, it was my friends um, who would remind me, they'd be like, whatever happened to that? Why aren't you working on that? When is that going to come out? Oh no, I gave up on it. Like, uh, uh, I can't, I can't deal with it. Well, you work so hard. You put so much time into it. And eventually it was um, uh, an old boyfriend who I just mentioned, like, yeah, uh, this novel that I wrote. And he was like, what do you mean you wrote a novel? Like, where is this novel? And he read it. He read the manuscript. And he was the one who pushed me. He said, this is good. And don't worry about being a bestseller or being a success. He just... Um, pushed me to get it to the finish line because it just to complete it, you know, just so it's finished. And, and I did, and I agreed with him. I was like, yeah, you know, because with screenplays, there's so many screenplays sitting in my drawer that need millions of dollars to move forward. And this one was just kind of an easier, an easier push in terms of self-publishing. So, um, so yeah, he's the one who pushed me to self-publish it and not worry about the outcome, but just kind of get it to the finish line and complete the process. So that's what I did. Awesome. Awesome. Good. I'm so glad that he did encourage you. So look for people to support you is the is the, one of the key tips there. Just don't give up. Yeah, exactly. So You've just said that, you know, you've gotten a lot of support from him. Where do your ideas come from? Like what inspires your ideas? Yes. So real life. <laughs> so Year of Year of the Slut, the original play, was loosely based on my experience my first year after like my major, major breakup of the guy that I was like in love with and thought I was going to marry. And so it started off with that seed and then my life isn't as interesting as the book. <laughs> I wish it was. So just kind of borrowing, borrowing stories and letting your imagination take off. And um, with writing the show, actually, as I started writing, because I played 10 characters, as I started writing these characters, these characters started, their voices started writing the roles for themselves. You know, and I'd kind of sit there and I because I was performing these pieces, I was, I'd move around my apartment and figure out like, how would this person move and figure out their accent. And as I started speaking in their accent, more of their story would come out. Like it just open unlock things in my imagination. So definitely a combination of inventing, borrowing, but the seeds of what I write always come from something that I've experienced. Even if the story evolves into something 
unrecognizable from my life. <laughs> so well, what's, it's, ne what's next for yeah. you, Jennifer? I mean, you've already accomplished so much. Do you have any sort of projects that you're looking forward to? Yes. So I have a few things. I have a few things going on. Um, I Last time we, we spoke, I was in L.A. and we were shooting a little short comedic film that I had written. So that is the rough cuts done. We just have a few more tweaks and we'll be submitting that to some film festivals. So that's exciting. I also um, have a TV pilot that I'm shopping around. I wrote with a writing partner and I'm excited about that. I don't want to say too much about it, but that's super exciting. And I am currently raising money for my feature film. And um, I had some momentum with it prior to the pandemic, but then it was like a two year kind of standstill. So I've picked that back up and I'm moving forward with that. And we're hoping to shoot it spring of 2023. Uh, and then on the writing front, I am working on book two of the Year of the What series, which is called Year of the Bitch. Oh, okay. So do you think, <laughs> do you want to turn that into a series? Yes. So, okay. so I had, I originally published it. I think I mentioned in previous interviews um, that it was originally published under the original title Year of the Slut because right. everybody's like, it's going to fly off the shelf. And then it was censored. It was censored from any ads on Amazon or social media. So being a self-published author, if I couldn't get it out on social media and if I couldn't even advertise on the platform it was being sold on, it was basically dead in the water. So I decided to, after a lot of convincing and you know, moaning and groaning over it. I changed the title to Year of the What instead. And when I changed the title to Year of the What, um, well, actually, even before I changed the title, I knew it was going to be a trilogy. Because when we're young women, if somebody wants to attack us, they call us a slut, regardless of if we're promiscuous, regardless of if we're a virgin, regardless of what our actual behavior is. When we're, when we're in our teens and 20s, that is the go-to word to attack a female. And as women get a little older and a little more assertive, the go-to word becomes bitch. As we become confident, as we become, you know, maybe we work up the ranks in our job or in our career and we have to delegate you know this is a word that kind of is used to attack us so that is going to be book two because i'm basically deconstructing words that are weaponized against women whereas the opposite is true when it comes to a man behaving in that manner right That's it's very very unfair very unfair, very unbalanced. And I like the I like the word that you. I mean, we we. I've never really thought of it in that way, but the weaponization of words against women is is a powerful um, phrase to use. You know, mm -hmm. and, and so here's an interesting question. In you know, in your experience, 
have you seen that there's sort of an equality in terms of that kind of attack uh, on women coming from both males and females? Or have you noticed oh, any particular oh, definitely. difference? Definitely, definitely. Um, actually, I think women get attacked more by women verbally than men. You know, yeah. I think women are so much harsher judging other women than men are. Um, so, yeah, especially like, you know, when we're young and call somebody a slut, you know, there are some, you know, some women have reclaimed it and joke around with their friends. But in high school, it's like a go to word if you want to attack a female. And, um, a surefire way to kill your total reputation. Exactly. And it's really hard to come back from that, even if you were to stand on a platform and say, hey, I never did this with Joe Schmo. And I don't appreciate, you know, Lucy, Trish, and Deb saying something about me. You know, unless yeah. you have that ability to do at school, you're never gaining your reputation back. And it's really very sad. Exactly. Whereas men are praised, you know, the more yeah. notches they have on their belt, whether it's high school, whether it's college doesn't matter how old they are. It's the more notches they have on the belt, the more of a man they are, you know, and I'm not encouraging women to have notches on their belt. That's not the tone of the book, but the tone of the book is to find out what you like, find out what you want, find out who you are, because until you understand that, you're never going to be in a position to find the partner that's the right fit for you. So that's more of the tone of the book. And then in terms of like year of the bitch, um, I've, as a producer, I've been in the position of power. I have to delegate. I wrangle several teams when I'm on a production, whether it's film or theater. Basically I am like the, the top of the, you know, the top of the pinnacle of the, triangle and then I have like you know then I have my department heads and then each department has their team but I'm the one who's you know like in charge of everybody and when I was young I didn't know how to handle the stress and I'm sure I was a monster like I'm sure I was a bitch and I was really hard to be around but over the years as I've refined my skills and I've become more proficient and more comfortable like I'm you know, I, I know how to how to be tough when I need to be tough, but I also know how to have fun with my job now because I, I've been through it so many times, if that makes any sense. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. I bet you do a fabulous job. <laughs> yeah. Well, congratulations. Oh, yeah. sorry. I don't mean to drop, but whereas a man in that same position, if he's being harsh, if he's delegating, it's like, Oh man, he's like a shark. He's, you know, he's, he's got it together. But if a woman speaks to people that same way, then it's like, Oh, she's a nightmare to work for. Right. It's just still so unfair. So, so, so unfair. Just like it is on the radio with between men and women, the music being played. If you sit and listen, you'll hear so many more males on the radio than females. Well, and the other thing is, you brought this up, so I'm going to go there. Uh-oh, Jenny. Have you noticed lately that there's like this huge thing going on with all these pop stars? And it's like, are you a singer or are you a stripper? 
um, you know, like, cause now um, in order to be a pop star, I feel like you have to be a stripper yeah. and that doesn't apply for males in the pop space. And, uh, I'm just like, why do these, why do these beautiful, talented women have to be mostly naked gyrating on a pole in order to sell their music? Like it just doesn't, doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> no, I agree with you 100% on that. Yeah, I don't understand it either. Uh, and and like when if a woman is overweight or large, and then she loses weight, then her after picture usually looks risque, let's use a nice word. And for a man, if he has a before and after, I don't even know why I'm saying this, but it just came to my mind. If it's a man who does it before and after, he just kind of looks normal. I mean, he's got normal clothes on you know he's not half naked so i i i don't know it's it's all very very un, unbalanced still so yeah, i'm so glad you're out there tackling it like all the power to these women wear whatever you want do whatever you want but it doesn't seem like a choice anymore it seems like a standard and that's my issue with it that it's a standard not a choice right yeah Wow, so many gems um, that you've dropped, Jennifer. Thank you so much. It was awesome, as always, having you on the show. We want to wish you all the best with the projects that you that are currently on underway. And um, as always, we'd love to have you back anytime uh, when you know your your next book, next project comes out. We'd really, really love to support you. So thank you very much. Thank you for being you. You know, for being such an open book about sharing your journey we appreciate that it's one of the things you know that we love about the authors on the show and why we bring people like you back because you share you know exactly how things are for you because how else do we get to benefit from each other's stories um than if we really bring our true selves to the screen jen thank you so so much thank you to our amazing audience today and whether you're watching this live or you're catching the replay thank you to our replay um, audience as well we appreciate you equally as much so a huge thanks and shout out to you join us again next week for another episode of the writer's corner live show and if you are watching us over on amazon go and grab jen's book it's in the carousel um, both her books are there and uh, we look forward to seeing another one take care everyone we'll see you next week bye